I'm going to talk about today is a topic that we all love, I hope. And the topic is success. And no one wants to fail. Everyone wants to be successful. We send our children to school. Why? So that they can graduate and have a job, have a career. Why? So that they can be successful in life. Right? Look at the reason of the things, for the things that you do in life. A lot of them leads to, we want to be successful. We want to be successful, why? Because we want to be happy. So if you keep going and asking this, uh, whatever that you do, you get to a point to the reason of what drives your life. If you ask enough, long enough, why and why and why, you get to this point where you can no longer answer it. You have to go deeper and look into your heart, the reason. Even the questions of, if, if you end up with happiness, I want to be happy. You want to go to, job, go to school so that you can graduate, get a job, so that you can get paid well, so you have a house, so you can buy a house, so you can buy a car, so you can get married, so you can have children. If you end up to a point where so I can be happy, you have to ask, why do you want to be happy? Is that the goal of life? Happiness? So we get to this point, if we ask Again, and deeper, one level deeper, we get to the issue of our heart, the things that we worship, the thing that we do everything to get. And that's the goal of our life. So today I'm going to talk about this thing called success that our society teaches us to, to aim for, to achieve from very young age, to be successful in life. Now, we are naive, however, to think to be successful is to be happy because successful does not equate with happiness it's not it's not one-to-one there are many successful people there are unhappy in their life now there has been much research done about the secret of success plenty of research done and even if you go to bookshop today and there are not many bookshops around them anymore I mean there there are a few uh, not many but if you look at bookshops and look at the, the sections called self-help or how-to sections, you'll see a lot about how to be successful. They give you steps on how to be successful in life. Plenty of books on that. Some, some, are, some are rubbish, a lot of rubbish actually, and some are decent and quite good. And there's one particular book that I, I, I want to mention. Uh, I, I do want to encourage people to read. It's, it's not a Christian book, but I want to... I want to show us the flaw in that as well um, today through the passage that we look at from John 13 on the issue of success. Uh, research shows that there's one particular trait that contributes the most to success. And that one trait is greed. G-R-I-T, greed. So the greedier a person, the more his or her chance to succeed in life. So research shows one of the most important traits for success is grit. Now, there's a book called Grit by a professor of psychology from the University of Pennsylvania by the name of Angela Duckworth. She wrote a book called Grit and she defines grit as perseverance and passion for long-term meaningful goals. Let me say that again. 
Angela Duckworth defines greed as perseverance and passion for long-term meaningful goals. Now, meaningful because we are more likely to persist um, at something we think that is really important. Otherwise, we would have given up. If we think something is important, we would persist. So, has to be meaningful goals, not just any other goal. Uh, so, for the goal in your life that you don't think it is important, you perhaps, you would give up halfway. Or when, when you meet an obstacle that is too hard, you would give up. But if it's meaningful to you, meaningful enough, you will persist. Now, she said this also, that greedy people have determination and direction. So not only greedy for, what, for, for no reason, but you have reason. You, you are determined and you, you have a direction, you have a goal to go to. Now, when greedy people face obstacles or setbacks, they pick themselves up and keep fighting to reach their goal. Because of that, meaningful goals, and they have determination, they have perseverance and passion for it. Now, there's flaws in that. This, this is good. Even I, I go to the extent of recommending this book. And this book outlined uh, a, a, a questionnaire, a 12-point uh, grit scale. With, you know, where, how gritty are you and how to develop grit in your children's life and in your own life as well. However, the Bible has a lot more to say when it comes to success. So today, we're going to look at this thing, what I call the secret source of success. The secret source of success, or three principles for success. We're going to look at three things. The first is going upside down. That's the first thing we're going to look at, the principles of success. Going upside down. The second one is laying it aside. And finally, getting on your knees. Now, going upside down, laying it aside, getting on your knees. It's the first one, going upside down. Let's look at John 13, verse 1. Just look at the context of our passage this morning. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What do we notice here is that this is the feast of Passover, the time of the feast of Passover, the context. So we, we look at this last time. This is the third and the final Passover in Jesus' life. Uh, they celebrate Passover once a year. This is the third and the final one. And then the past two Passover in the book of John, we have seen in chapter 2, there are important events that take place during Passover when it comes to Jesus. So the first Passover of Jesus Recorded in John 2 says Jesus cleanses the temple during that Passover. Remember, he overturned the, the, the seller's desk, the, the money exchanger, people who, who, who run the temple like, like marketplace. Jesus overturned them and drive them out. So that's the first Passover. The second Passover we can read from John 6. And in John 6, what happened is Jesus feeds the 5,000. The 5,000 men. And there are men and women and children. So there are a lot more than 5,000. So important things have happened during Jesus' uh, event of uh, attending Passover, during Passover time. Now, this is the final Passover. There are some important things as well that we must pay attention to during this final Passover. Now, we know 
when Jesus said his hour had come, the, the Bible said Jesus knew his hour, his hour had come. For us, we know this. When we look at the book of John for, for a while now, this is all 32, um, 32nd study uh, of, of the book of John on chapter 13 now, that when Jesus said about his hour, it refers to the cross. But the disciples didn't know that, you see. The disciples and the hearers in Jesus' time did not know and did not understand when Jesus referred to his hour, that his hour had come. They, because this is what the disciples believed. The disciples believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. Not, not someone who will die. Uh, they believed Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman oppressors. Jesus is going to be king. So when Jesus said the hour has come, finally here, the disciples understood it as now finally Jesus is going to take his place to be the king, to overthrow the Roman oppressors. So that's what, what's in their mind. Now because that's in their mind, what happened in the last Passover, if you look at uh, this very incident in, in the Gospel of Luke, it's a parallel um, uh, report account of, of Jesus' life in the, third, in the third and final Passover. This is what happened in the, in the Gospel of Luke. It tells us an incident be, that happened between the disciples of Jesus. They believe Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman uh, oppressors, so they now think, well, they don't get, they, they're going to get promoted. Their rabbi, their teachers, going to be king. They, the disciples, going to get promotion. They're going to get uh, official titles, official roles, to rules perhaps. So, in Luke chapter 22, 24, this is what happened. This is a dispute that happened between the disciples. I'm going to read it for us. A dispute also arose among them, among the disciples, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Do you see that? They were talking and they said, I'm going to be the prime minister if Jesus is going to be king. I'm going to be the whatever. You know, I'm going to be in charge of these districts, of that district. I'm going to be the, the minister of this and that. They're fighting among themselves. They have dispute. I'm going to be the greatest, they say. And Jesus rebuked them in verse 26. Luke 22, verse 26. A couple of verses later, after hearing their dispute, Jesus rebuked them and says, let the greatest among you become the youngest, and the leader be the one who serves. So Jesus, upon hearing them want to be great, want to be successful, Jesus said, if you want to be great, be the smallest. If you want to be the leader, be the one who serves. That's what Jesus said. Jesus rebuked them of their desires to be the greatest. What Jesus said is clear. You want to be great, be the least. You want to lead, be the one who serves. So, we, as human beings, uh, have the tendency wanting to be successful rather than failure. And we want to lead rather than to follow. Now, Jesus say the opposite here. If you want to lead, you got to serve. Now, we, we love to be served rather than to serve. And Jesus say, if you want to be a good leader, then you ought to serve. Now, we, we want to be at the top, right? Not at the bottom, but Jesus said the opposite. Why? Why, why do we have these desires? 
where do we have all where, where do all these desires come desires to lead desires to be successful desires to be at the top have you ever wondered where all this come from why do we all have this well i think it's because our society tells us what our, our, our what our lives ought to be from very young from very little our parents tell us this then in school our teachers impose this understanding of what life should be and we grow up to believe this that we should lead we should be at the top we should have people to serve us rather than serving others this is what the society teaches us. but what does the bible teach us that's what we're going to look at today what what is the secret source of uh, success see the first principle is this the bible says the the way up is down the way up is not up but to go down this is the upside down principles of the bible it's everywhere in the bible when you hear the teaching look at the teaching of jesus often time is upside down jesus said the only way up is to go down so the secret source number one for success is this going upside down whatever we have believed in our life the society tells us oftentimes is the opposite if you want to lead jesus said you ought to serve if you want to be the greatest be the smallest so secret source number one going upside down number two laying it aside now the world teaches us that in order to be successful we must have greed there is truth in that that's why i i would recommend us to be greedy person not not people who who easily given up on things and i i recently uh, read i mean i i've been interested in in the story of uh war um well currently i'm reading on world war ii and leaders uh, during that time and i come across uh, a couple of biographies and documentaries on churchill winston churchill and it's amazing how during world war ii um, germany the nazi raid nazi hitler and nazi were were winning they 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 were on 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 paper they they're winning so france given up france has surrender and england um, has lost many people many of their soldiers they don't have as great of a weapon uh, weaponry and all those stuff the, the position on the surface people say they they should have peace terms with germany they should have given up but there's one man winston churchill who refused to give up because of principles he refused to give up and he has this uh perseverance endurance like we must fight this yes it's tough yes on on the surface it looks like we're not going to win even if we lose he said we he rather die trying than to surrender so greed is important and there's truth in that because you know without greed uh, england would have surrendered perhaps today we i wouldn't be speaking in in english uh, perhaps i'll be speaking in german uh, to you uh, i don't know because of greed we need greed and the bible teaches us about this about greed and the words the words that the bible use are perseverance um endurance do not give up in 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 the midst of suffering that we must press on 
Those are the language of the Bible. In other words, greed. Now, why? Why did the Bible teach us about greed, about perseverance and endurance? Because the Bible says this, it will produce character. Only through suffering, only through persevering through suffering, difficulties in life, obstacles in life, that we can have character. So those who have strong character in terms of uh, wisdom um, and character, you can see that they have gone through a lot in their life. They greet, okay? However, I must say as well, however greed that, however important greed is, that in, in the world sense of, uh, in the sense of the world where we should not give up, we should persevere, we should keep trying. However, greed alone is not enough. Greed alone is not enough because greed means this. If, if, if greed is all you have, greed means this. When someone is in your way of reaching your goal, what would you do? You will push that person over and you run them over. Because greed means you persevere regardless of what's in front of you or who's in front of you. You will push them over and run them over. You will never give up and nothing will stop you on your track. If that's, that's all you have, if greed is all you have, you'll become such a person. Now, the Bible did not teach us to be that kind of person. Remember upside down principle? Our first principle or our, our first secret sauce. Now, when you write, this is the world, this is what the world teaches us. You have a goal, write it on a piece of paper, stick it on a, in front of the mirror so that you would look at that goal in your life every morning as you brush your teeth, as you shave your beard. You say, read it every day in the morning. Recite it every day in the morning and at night as you brush your teeth, as you look at yourself in the mirror. So that you truly believe it. That's what the world tells us, right? That you will never give up on your goal. Do that. Now, if greed is all you have, you will not hesitate to push over anyone. You will not hesitate because it becomes your mantra. That's my goal. I want to get it no matter what. I want to get there no matter what. I don't care who's on my way. I will push them over and run them over. Now, you want to remind yourself, and that's why you do that. You, you, you ask yourself in the morning, you are, you, you, what is the reason that you get up in the morning? What drives you, right? So you stick that on the mirror and you tell that to yourself every day. Now, you may be successful. If you, if you get there, eventually you'll get there, you see. If you try hard enough, no matter what, uh, whether, you're in Christ, whether, whether you believe in religion, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you're Christians or not, if you have a goal, if you try hard enough, if you persevere, you'll get there. You will get there. Now, the problem is this. You may be successful, but you will find yourself to have no real friends in your life. Because along the way, you push them over and you ran them over. You'll be left alone. Now, you, the reason I say you may not have real friends is this, because you may have friends as you are successful. In fact, when you become successful, you realize you have a lot more quote-unquote friends in your life. People who you never heard of want to be like you, want to be invited by you, want to invite you over, want to be your friends. But they may not necessarily 
your real friends. Now, you may even have admirers and followers in your life if you're successful, but they're not your real friends. They're not. Because admirers will only say yes to you. They will never say no. Even though there's something going on in your life that, that they see that it's not right, they will, they will not rebuke you. They just yes ma'am to you because they want your approval. They want your approval. They want to be liked by you. They want to like you. These are followers and admirers that you have, but you will not have real friends. No is important. To, to hear no in our life is important. Why? Because, well, in the Bible, it, it's full of those. It gives us instruction what to do, what, how we must live our life, but it's also, the Bible is also full of instructions of not, what not to do. Because no in the Bible are good for us. It's good for us. A man for our good. So the second principle is this, to laying it aside. And let's read that from John 13, verse 3 to 5. Verses 3 to 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that, had, that was wrapped around him. Now, this is where the Bible teaches us another principle, another secret source for success, and that is to lay it aside. Laying it aside. Jesus laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel. Do you see what happened here? Jesus have an outer garment, a robe or whatever, which is nice. Instead of putting it on and show the disciples, I am your teacher, I am Jesus, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, he take it off and put it aside. And what did he put in place instead of what he lay aside? A towel, a towel, something that a servant would use slave would use, not a king. But that's what Jesus did. Instead of pushing people over, Jesus laid his life over. Instead of uh, laying lay his life aside, instead of pushing people over Jesus and, let, and run people over, Jesus let his life to be ran over. That's what Jesus did. So the principle is this. Instead of pushing people over and running them over, we lay our goals aside to help others to achieve their goals. That's the principle here. Jesus is what, this is what Jesus did for the disciples and for you and for me in this passage. Jesus laid aside his outer garment and put on a towel. Do you see this? The King of Kings, the Messiah, the creator of the universe, laid aside his glory, left heavens for earth, left his throne as a king of kings and to become servant, came down as a servant so that you and I can have the glory that we can never attain for ourselves. He gave it for us. He laid aside for us. And he did that so that we can have it. He did it at the cost to him, at a very expensive cost, to him. He has to put, in order for Jesus to put on, uh, to give us 
The outer garment, he has to put on the towel. He's laying aside the garment and put on the towel. And Philippians 2 gave Paul, the Apostle Paul gave a great pictures of this in verse 6 to 7. Philippians 2 verse 6 to 7 says this. He who, though Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is Jesus. This Philippians 2 is a picture of Jesus laying aside his glories, laying aside his outer garment and put on the towel for your sake and my sake. Do you see that? See, many people fight for themselves. They say, if, if I'm not fighting for myself, no one else will. Jesus said, I will fight for you. And he did. Uh, pe people de do all this, push people over and ran them over because they say, I need to fight for myself. I need to achieve my goal because no one's going to ever give that to me. I'm going to get the glories, all the glories I can by myself with my own strength, despite the cost. Despite all the friendship, all the people that are going to betray and I'm going to run over, I'm going to get there. People do that because why? Because they don't have Jesus in their life. Someone who take, lay aside their, his garment and put on the towel on his waist and wash the disciples' feet. Now, many marriages, let me say this, many marriages could have been safe. Many marriages could have been safe if only the husband or the wife would fight not for themselves, but would fight for their spouse. Many marriages are broken ended up in divorce because the husband or the wife only fight for themselves rather than fighting for the spouse. Rather than lying, laying aside their garment, they put on their garment. They say, this is me. I have my goal. I have my dreams. They prioritize themselves. If only they would make their spouse and dream and goal their priority, perhaps, their marriage could have been safe. And this is what Jesus showed us. Now for young people, uh, you want to be a witness to God. Uh, I've heard many young people have this zeal for the gospel. They want to be a witness to God, but they haven't been effective in that. You know why? A lot of reason why our witness hasn't been effective is because we're still fighting for ourselves. When our friends look at our lives, what do they see? Is it someone who is just as ambitious as they are in school, in a university, in the workplace? Are we just as ambitious to get to our goal as they are? If we are, then there's nothing for us to tell them because they would look at you and say, well, you're just like me. We would have been a better witness if we live like Jesus. This is the second principle. This is the second secret source of success. Laying aside, perhaps it is your ambition who have hindered you to be effective in your evangelism, in sharing your faith to your friends, to your colleagues. Now, when you are like that, when you look at your friend, you will use them rather than loving them. 
You will look at your colleague. You will use them. You may think, you sounds like it's great. I'm, I'm going to win my friend to Christ. But all you think about is your success. How you can be successful as a Christian. How you can be successful in, in preaching the gospel to your friend. And if they come to church, you say, Woo, I won. I got it. You reach your goal. And if your friend got baptized, you say, yes, not for his sake, not for her sake, but for your sake. You think like, man, it's because of me. He come to church, he come to church, and because of me, he, he come to know Christ and put his faith to Christ. It's all about you, you see. Perhaps if we lay aside our own goal, our own happiness for the sake of others, we can be more effective in our evangelism, in our sharing of our faith. And not using people for your own success. Whatever that is, uh, success can be a, a, spirit, a, a religious thing too, you see. Not just a secular thing that you success in terms of getting promotion at work. It can be all sort of things. So why do we do that? Why do we do that in life? Why, why do we not lay aside our outer garment. Why do we hold it close to us instead? Let me give you a reason. Because we, of, we have never experienced the love of a true friend. We have never experienced what does it mean for others to love us in such a way that would sacrifice himself or herself for our own good. We have never had such a friend who would prioritize our dreams over their dreams. We never had such a spouse in our life who would say, I'm here so that you can reach your goal in life. Whatever God has designed you, my job here is to support you and to help you get there so that you can be glorified in whatever God has designed in your life. We never had such a spouse. We never had such a friend. So we always have this drive to fight for ourselves, you see. See, a friend who lays aside his or her own goal to help another to reach their own goal. We don't have that friend. And that's the reason we fight for ourselves. But do you realize, my friend, do you realize, my brothers and my sisters, that that is exactly and precisely what Jesus did for you and me. To be that real friend that you never had. To be that spouse that you never had. He's the true friend who lay aside his outer garment, leave heavens for earth, leaves his throne to be servant. Jesus said, I came not to be served, I came to serve you. He's the true friend who always pray for us. Not our friend who say we'll pray for you but never did. He truly prayed for us and continued to pray for us. He's the true friend who lay aside his glory for your sake and my sake. So if you want to be successful in your life, this is the secret. The second secret is lay it aside. Lay aside your life. Lay aside your goal. Do not tight-fist it with what you have in your life. But be generous, laying it aside. Number three, our final point is getting on your knees. This is the third 
secret sauce of success, getting on your knee. So what Jesus did next is even more radical. He got on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. Let's read from verse 6, John 13, verse 6 to 7. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm going, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. We, we, we have looked at this before, haven't we? The washing of feet. And we look at it briefly. And in Jesus' time, we learn the foot washes um, were very low, uh, lowest things to do. It's, it's such a low um, job. Now, because footwears were open toes in those days, they are more like sandals. And they don't have asphalt or cars. They ride on animals. There were animals on the street. They're dirty. The animals refuse on the street. So the feet, washing feet is such a dirty and lowly job. The job of foot washing was so low in those days, even some districts, some areas have made it illegal for slaves to do such a job, to be forced to do such a job. And here we found Jesus did exactly just that. Washing the feet of his disciples. Why? Why did Jesus do so? <coughs> Jesus explained to Peter in verse 7, we've just read, What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will afterwards, Jesus said. So afterwards means, after Jesus was crucified, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, you will finally understand. But now you will not understand. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Peter will understand later, not now. See, greed alone is not enough. This is what Jesus is teaching. Just pushing hard to get to your goal in life is not enough to be successful. If greed alone is all you have, you will not be able to handle failures in your life. Greedy people, if that's all they have, will not be able to handle failures in their life. Sadly, many have committed suicide when they failed in life. When something that means so much, that's so meaningful to them, they lost that. Whatever that is, whether relationship, there are people who get um, broken relationship and, and they committed suicide. Those who get fired from their job and lost their careers or for whatever reason, they committed suicide because they cannot handle failures. But for Peter, because they don't have the tools to handle uh, how to be successful in life apart from, you know, whatever they know. Jesus gave Peter the tools here, you see, because Jesus knows Peter will need this. Peter is going to need this tool if he's going to be successful. If he's going to be Jesus' disciple, Peter needs this. So Jesus giving him the tools to be successful by getting on his knees and wash his feet. Ridiculous, isn't it? Instead of giving him true secret of how to be successful, Jesus tells him, this is, this is, you will understand later. You will not understand now, but you will understand 
later that you will need this. And he got on his knee and washed his feet. So what happened later on, uh, later on with Peter? We, in order to understand this, we, we have to fast forward a little bit. You see, if we fast forward, we will see like Peter, that Peter denied for knowing Jesus when Jesus was on trial. When, when Jesus needed him, the disciple, the most. He denied Jesus. Jesus was arrested and he was illegally put on trial and was about to be killed. Peter left Jesus alone. He betrayed Jesus and he denied Jesus. And, and let me read from us this account from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 22, verse 54 to 62. Then they seized him and led him away, Jesus, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. Jesus was arrested. Peter was following at a distance. And I continue reading. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant, seeing him as, the, as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also with him was with him. But he denied it, saying, Women, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus said, if you want to be successful, you must understand these principles that I'm going to show you, Peter. You will not understand now, but you will. At this point, when the rooster crowed, after Peter denied Jesus three times, Peter could have left in shame and killed himself. Just like Judas Iscariot earlier on, hang himself for betraying Jesus. What is so, dif so different to Peter here for denying Jesus not once but three times? Yet he did not go out in shame and kill himself because he now have the tool, he have experienced the tool that Jesus gave him when Jesus was his feet. What is this principle? Getting on your knees. At this point, um, this very moment when Jesus was his feet, Jesus taught Peter the secret of success. Jesus said in verse 8, I must wash you. If I do not wash you, you will have no share in me. My brothers and my sisters, for us to be successful, truly successful in this life, we must be washed. Jesus said, if we are not washed, we will not have any share in Jesus' life, in, in successful life that truly matters. Now, naturally, 
We, we do not want to get on our knees and to wash someone else's feet, do we? We don't want that. Uh, see, there are two types of guests. Have you had guests in your home before? I'm, I'm sure we, we, we all have. We have guests in our home before. There's two types of guests, really. There's one type who just want to be served. When they get there, you say, I'm, they will say, I'm a guest. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to be served. And, and, you know, generally, we, we don't like this kind of guest. But there's another type of guest that we like, the kind of guest that love to serve. Uh, even when they're guests at someone else's home, they would always like, how can I help? They would wash the dirty dishes at the end. They would, they would even vacuum the house for them. And they would do whatever they can to be helpful guests. They want to serve. They love to serve. And we love this kind of guests, don't we? Now, Jesus taught us to be more than just helpful. Oftentimes, we, we, we want to be helpful. We like to be helpful to, uh, to our hosts. But Jesus taught Christians to be more than just helpful towards others. You see, Christian, we say we have to be selfless to the point of, you know, we want to be helpful. But we stop right there. You see, Christian ethics is much more than being helpful. It's getting on our knees and wash someone's feet. That is, that is beyond the call of our or our uh, morality that our society demands today. Beyond helpful, that's what Jesus uh, teach. Though we must, we should be helpful. But Je Jesus didn't teach us to just roll our, our sleeves when we go in someone's house and wash their dishes. It's, though that is good, though we must offer that, but Jesus said we must get on our knees and serve others at all own cost, that is at the cost of time, or pride even, or wealth, anything, our goals in life, Jesus said, we must get on our knees and serve others, even though it is costly. So the secret source number three is to get on our knees, to serve in such a way that we saw how Jesus served his disciples. And to serve you and me. In verse 15, John 13 verse 15 says this, For I have given you an example that you also should just, that you also should do just as I've done to you. Do you see that? Jesus said, I've shown you now, you should do this as well. So I, it's not me who say, we must do this, what Jesus did. Jesus said, this is an example. You must do so. So why do Christians fail to obey this? Apart from it is difficult. Well, let me suggest this. Not only it is difficult, it is impossible to live such a life. Jesus said, but Jesus said, if you want to be successful, to be able to persevere when the going gets tough, there's this secret. Look at the cross. Look at the cross to remind you. This is why Peter did not go out in shame and kill himself after he denied Jesus. He looked to the cross. Jesus said, you will not understand now, but you will later. When is that later? That later is when Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. Peter saw this. And he now has the tool to be successful, to handle failures, 
even though he betrayed his Lord and King. Not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus taught his disciples about the cross ahead of time so that when they finally look back and they remember they have the tools to be successful, they, they have the tool to handle failures in their life. They will not be crushed, they will not be devastated, but they will pick themselves up again and they will march on. Jesus say in verse 19 to 20, John 13, I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. That's what Jesus said. For Peter betrayed Jesus, but after the crucifixion, Peter remembered. And what happened to Peter? He became one of the pillars of early Christianity. And on the first Pentecost, Peter preached to thousands of people and 3,000 people repented that day. Let me read the accounts of that from Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 37 says this. Now when they heard this, when they heard Peter preach, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Unlike many teachers or religions that teaches us what to do, Jesus did not only tell us what to do. He showed us. He lifted himself. He didn't just say, if you want to be at the top, you must go down. He himself go down on his knees. He didn't just say, if you want to achieve your goal, you must lay it aside. He himself laid his life aside. He laid it side down for you and me. He didn't just say to you and me, we must get on knee, we must get on our knees and serve. He himself served you and I. You know, even for people who don't like to serve, you know, the guests that we don't like, uh, when they're guests, at someone's house that is important, they will finally be helpful. So imagine that person, you being invited into a, a prime minister house or your boss house. You want to be helpful. You don't want to just chill out, put your feet up and say, I want to be served. Because you are at someone's important, um, the house of someone's really important. Your boss, the prime minister, the president, whoever that person is. The more important the person who invited you to his home, you want to be more helpful. This is what happened when we see the cross. Someone who serves us, not only he's more important than us, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the creator of everything. He holds your life and my life with his hand. He serves you. You are invited to his home. In fact, the Bible says he made residence, he made our life his residence if we would allow him to take control. When you see the King of Kings serves you, even when you don't deserve it, that his service to you has costed his own very own life, 
only then you will finally be able to live in such a way. To lay it aside for others, to get on your knees and wash someone's feet. Husband and wife, you finally be able to prioritize, to fight not for you, but to prioritize and to fight for your spouse. We will finally be able to fight for someone else's goal and dreams in their life rather than fighting for our own goals and dreams in our life. Because we have someone who is the greatest of all laying aside for us. Someone's very important who is who has died for your sake and my sake. So let me leave us with this. The way up, the Bible teaches us, is to go down. The way to power is to serve. The way to true riches is to give it all away. And the way to real happiness is to care about the happiness of others. Let us pray.